1: Hello and welcome to episode Chris Neal of the Cosper Pointcast. I am your host, Trevor Shackles. It's been just over a month since the last episode, but we're back. And this time I have with me for the second time, TSN writer, Travis Yost. Travis, how's it going?
0: It's going well. I didn't realize this was my, I thought this was my
1: inaugural. I forgot that I was on this one. No, you are on the uh, trade deadline episode last year. Oh man, did I give it
0: any good, any tidbits or no? I, I don't think
1: I did. Uh, I don't know if you, you didn't, I don't think you gave any like rumors or anything, but I think it was some pretty good insight.
0: I'll drop, I'll drop a rumor on you then as a, as a, as, I'll keep it at the end too. I'll keep the listener listening.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, they got to wait half an hour for it, but, uh, you know, <laughs> keeps, keeps them intrigued. Um, yeah, it, it's, a uh, it's also been a few weeks since, uh, since that Bill's playoff game. So I'm, uh, hoping you're recovered by now.
0: My blood pressure is back to normal. It took yeah.
1: about 12 to 13 days. So we're in the clear. Okay. Sounds good. Um, well, let's get into it. Um, Give me that that good, depressing stuff regarding Eugene Melnick and the ownership situation in Ottawa. Um, just just try to sum up exactly what's going on right now from the top of the organization.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think this is just a common theme. Most Ottawa fans know it by now, but things some markets can sustain a losing season operationally, financially, and be fine. Like no team wants to lose and teams that lose frequently don't make as much money and no one would blame Ottawa's ownership of their front office for looking for how they can shave some costs in the light of the fact that they're just a bad hockey team right now. Um, but, but the, the the problem that continues to underlie Ottawa versus most other markets is one, first off, they have no long-term plan or vision whatsoever. Uh, the second issue is when they do have a losing season, um, they, they, they struggle with gate revenues and they don't exactly have the temperament or stomach to go through a losing stretch. And a lot of the times that means purging out whoever has the biggest contract that they can, that they can trade away. And it, it sometimes will lead to I, less suboptimal d- the decision-making, I would say. Uh, I, I think one of the big drives you're going to see, look, again, they they like most teams, you cut costs if you're if you're struggling going into the deadline. It's not even about cutting costs. It's also about getting futures. But, is this some foreshadowing you
1: know, again, from Mike Hoffman?
0: Yeah, again, right? Like that's that's most organizations are going to look for ways. They have six players. By the way, every single player, so seven players, sorry. They have seven regular bottom six players. Every single one is below medium score, median scoring level for a bottom six forward, and every single one of those forwards, despite underperforming relative to your medium bottom sixer, uh, is on a multi-year deal. So I think in most <laughs> markets, uh, teams would be looking for any and every way to get out of those contracts and Ottawa very, very well. Uh, but the issue with Ottawa is the, you know, the first name that's really being flowed around is Mike Hoffman, a guy who is consistently in the 27 to 30 goal range every single year. I don't need to be the one to tell anyone these guys don't grow on trees. I, I think he has a team friendly contract. I think he's part of the future, not part of the reason why they stink this year. But let's let's be honest about a couple things. The coach does not love him. The front office clearly does not love him. And they, I would say, value cutting his contract more than they do the goal scoring he adds to the team, which is that, that's, that's where Ottawa diverges from most other markets. Mike Hoffman would not really be on the trade block in, uh, I don't know, a, a New York or Philadelphia. He would be part of the future. But in Ottawa, because he carries a, a reasonable size contract, He's going to be one of the first players they try and gut, uh, and I, I fully anticipate him being moved by the trade deadline. I don't think it's a guarantee, but I think it's a probability.
1: Right. Well, I think it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, I'm actually writing an article that I think will be up um, by Thursday, and it's it's just noting that, there's like you said, there's this seven forwards in the bottom six that are just horrible, and then also, I don't know if you were including defense in that as well, but then there's um, Cody Ceci and Johnny Oduya and Ben Harper. Ben Harper's had horrific um, underlying numbers this year. And there's so many guys um, that they've played this year that are just awful, like re- below replacement level yet. And, and and if they move those guys out, they could be saving, you know, 10 to $15 million, yet they want to move out one of their best players in Mike Hoffman. So it's just kind of baffling to me that they're choosing... <laughs> To, to trade probably their second best forward rather than moving, you know, four or five of these other forward and defensemen out.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think this is where an important distinction is here, right? So the analysis paralysis on the blue line has existed in Ottawa for like six years. Like everyone has recognized that they've had a second and third pairing issue in the Eric Carlson era pretty much every single year. Uh, that, that That was even true last year. Their second and third pairings were not good. And you might say, okay, their pairings are worse this year, and I would agree. But they're not substantially worse. They they got by by playing Eric Carlson 30 minutes a night and kind of piecemealing things together behind them. So let's put the D aside, even though it's obviously a catastrophe and another topic worth discussing. Let's talk about just the forwards here. So if you go down the list, every single one of these guys was either targeted by the coach in front office or was extended by the coach or front office. So yes. it's not like they have assumed these contracts. The team went out and claimed Gabriel Dumont the team went out and traded for Alex Burroughs and said players were hugging the front of the general. I think it was Pierre Dornan said he was getting hugs for trading for Alex Burroughs, which, I mean, that deal is a catastrophe. That That's one of the worst hockey trades in the last few years, yep. regardless of what, how that projects for Vancouver. It's just the mere fact that not only did they acquire Burroughs, who did little, now they've extended him, and he's on a multi-year. Nate Thompson, Tom Pyatt, go down the list. These are all guys that the team wanted. And now, and by the way, the two players who I think have some degree of skill still uh, are Zach Smith and JG Peugeot. And I, I, I think you can, Peugeot's had an okay year. Smith's obviously had a down year, but both of these guys are still valued and coveted around the league. And I would, I would actually anticipate that Ottawa tries to move one of them. But to me, that that's the logical starting point. If you really think a couple of these guys are untradable down your depth and you don't want to take on a bad contract, but you need to purge salary. Peugeot is a name that makes sense. And yeah, he's a valuable player, but, you can live with him being on another team. Same thing for Zach Smith. And there's a lot of money tied up in those two players because the front office made that decision. But instead, they're going to purge a, a near 30 goal scorer pretty much consistently for the last four years. Uh, again, this this is this is the short sightedness uh, that that plagues this organization. Um, there's no plan, uh, and and I, Mike Hoffman is almost surely going to be a casualty from it.
1: Right. Agreed. And um, you know I think we could go on and on about. Um, the all nice decisions, decisions that the um, the senators have made. But let's talk about specifically Melnick and um, how he fits into all of this. Like, what do you do? You see Melnick keeping this team for a while, or do you think he's actually going to sell? Like a lot of people keep saying and hoping, um, you know, over the past few months.
0: I, 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 I. As it pertains to this specific question, I don't know any more than what people are reading in the rumor mill about hey, there's people kind of circling, you know, it's like uh, circling the carcass because – and maybe it's not a carcass yet, but there's a lot of very rich people who are really interested in getting a hockey team and especially in that Ottawa area. Uh, But a lot of it is going to come down to – first off, I don't think he wants to sell the team. I don't think he'll want to sell the team in the next five, ten years. A lot of this is going to come down to can he continue to afford – to own the team. And, and, and that's a very important distinction because you can say all day long, I want to own a hockey team. But when you have these crippling interest rates and you've leveraged your team beyond a point of belief, at some point, either the NHL or the board of governors or something to that effect is going to intervene and say, yeah, this isn't really working as one of our critical 31 markets. This isn't working for us right now. And I think that's an important piece because I think a lot of people, if you read through the rumor mill, it makes it seem like a transaction or sale is inevitable and that it would be a mutually decided on sale. I, I, I just don't see that happening. Like Based on everything that the owner has said, he wants to own a hockey team, and you know what? It's He bought it, he he owns it, and he deserves to own it as long as he can have the financial control over it. Where where I think this goes south though, where where people are saying, hey look, we want a new ownership structure, would would come down to can the current ownership situation, can it hold on? Can it sustain? And, and that's that's ultimately the question that will or sorry, the answer to that question will ultimately drive what happens in Ottawa. And I think some people think that's a very short term conclusion. Some people think that's not the case. Um, if you ask ten people in the NHL or around Ottawa, you'll get ten different answers. But I, I think the spirit and of the unknown, the, the ambiguity and vagueness around the a financial outlook and where the arena is going to be, and the general ownership and front office situation has kind of created a cloud where these questions are just going to keep populating every day.
1: Right, and and I mean, do you envision a scenario where um, because today there was some news? I don't know exactly what it means, but there was some news regarding um, the the LeBreton deal and it was, I guess, positive news for the Senators and their potential rink. Um, but do you see something happening where the NCC kind of forces Melnick to sell the team and says, like, we're only going to put a rink here if if Melnick isn't the owner? Or is that something that isn't really possible?
0: Uh, I, to me, that seems like more of a long shot. Um, maybe there's an angle I'm not seeing. What I think is more likely a potential driver of adversity in that situation is whether or not the city of Ottawa is going to put taxpayer money on that arena right uh that, that I is think the, the answer
1: was no for that
0: yeah and and I think it, we could we could talk about a lot of you know rumors question marks what if scenarios there's one conclusive piece here which is the the financial situation in Ottawa will become very untenable if a they basically mandate a new arena and B, they get no taxpayer money for it. If both of those things play out, the current situation is untenable. That's just reality. Because otherwise they – I mean, the owner has publicly said it. Maybe we don't need a new arena. Part of that is tied into the fact that I think there's skepticism from him and the people around him that the city is going to put it even a dime into this new arena, and nor should they, by the way, because the corporate welfare is out of control. I'm glad Calgary's intervened. I'm glad Ottawa is – it looks like Ottawa is going to intervene and at least keep it at a minimal cost, if any. Uh, but that, that, that to me, like a lot of the other stuff, like 95% of what's talked about in Ottawa, it, it's speculation, right? Like it's a lot of people making guesses. The the one thing I think you can reasonably conclude is if, if they mandate a new arena and if, it, if no or extremely minimal bare-bones taxpayer money goes to the new arena – I just don't see how they get there. Like and it, there, there is no way to get there unless they either stay in the new arena or there's a sale of the team. That's pretty much it.
1: Okay. That's interesting. I, there, there's so much in play here and it, it, it's hard to, it's hard to really know what's going on. And I don't know, because I'm not actually living in Ottawa I, I haven't really read up too much on the specifics of the deal and there's so many things you you see like today. I don't even know what it actually meant in terms of um, the future for this rink, but certainly it seems like a lot could happen. Um, I think most of us are just hoping for the best and hoping that he sells, but at the same time, I'm kind of, I don't know. I, I'll kind of believe it when I see it. Um, and I don't know, in terms of Melnick, is there anything that you've heard because there's just so many weird rumors. Um, there was that one rumor about um, them not paying employees or something uh, going to Sweden. Or there was something about Al- Anselmi. I can't remember exactly what it was. But have you heard anything like just really strange about the Melnick ownership?
0: Uh, I mean, these stories have these stories have bubbled around for years. I mean, TSN uh, when in the outdoor game had point blank asked him the question about. I guess scouts not being paid—that was one of the stories that was drilled into, and I believe there were fireworks after that once the cameras were shut off, uh, <laughs> which I, I'm not going to get into. But I, I heard there was some after <laughs> after the fight fight uh, in that in that engagement. Right. Um. I, I these these the, the problem that we get into, Trevor, is there are so many rumors <laughs> are encircling that ownership and that front office and that team in general that you're kind of left as if you're a fan a writer or whoever, if you're on the outside looking in one, it's hard to know what's real and what's not. That's, that's the biggest, um, the biggest detriment to, to, to really concluding or to really making analysis to determine what is actually going on here. But the other side of that coin is let's say you've heard a hundred things in the last month, even if only 10% of them are true, that's a concern because right. you can just take 10% of those 100 events and you could say "Okay, well, these 10 are true these are all extremely concerning and and let me emphasize it by this i'm not just coming up with random math i it is for the purpose of the example but in no other hockey market are there these crazy stories about ultra lean scouting staffs and i mean the owner came out and said he is cut he is running a this is a quote he is running a bare bones organization um, that, that he has already cut to the bone. Yeah. That's not exactly something to brag about. Yeah. And, and his point after that, by the way, was there's nothing else to cut other than player salaries, uh, which he was kind of greasing the wheels for that, which again, I I think is a defensible move by the team. Like when you're, when you're not performing well uh, and and you're not making the revenue, you got to cut costs. I mean, that, that's a business. That's any, any industry in the world you're, you're making that move. Um, the, the The issue though is that cost and, and and investment in player salary and investment in players in general always seems to be as bare bones uh, as possible um, save maybe one year in the last five or six years. And I think it's created a culture within the fan base that's really kept people from really investing in themselves. like I even, think about where we are today. I mean, we're talking about a team that was one, you know, one goal from the Stanley cup final. Yeah. And you now have, in my opinion, one of the most negative and jaded fan bases in, <laughs> in the NHL. How does that happen? Well, you know, part of it is because the team's not very good right now, but part of it is also because th- there's so much periphery off ice smoke around that you're, you're consumed by it. It's, I liken it to being a Knicks fan, right? I, I'm i I'm a diehard Knicks fan. And you know, you go through a three game losing stretch and it's like, same old Nick's, same old Nick's and, it, and it's, it's a different animal there. It's not so much about money. It's more about like personnel and player decisions, but your fan base becomes so jaded over time that you're always left wondering, like, is it ever going to turn around? Is, will, will, will this ever, will we ever win a title? Will this ever make sense to us? And you, you just don't see that in other markets. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think of a great, like, let's say, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's probably a good example this year. There's a very real chance Pittsburgh makes, misses the playoffs this year. That's a fact. Do you think the fan base is going to lose their mind if they do? Probably not. I mean, there are going to be changes, and there's more negativity around Pittsburgh right now than there have, probably ever has been in the Sidney Crosby era. But you know, one year they'll they'll try and reload and they'll try and win again next year. I, I just don't. That it just doesn't happen that way in Ottawa.
1: Right. There's just not much of a direction, like you had mentioned earlier in the show. Um, well, I, can I, the best example of this. I'm sorry. I, I
0: have to. I have to bring this example when when because I. You make a statement. If I make a statement like there's no direction, people people can reasonably with pressure you and say, well, what do you mean by that? Explain. Uh, they went all in. They are. This is their words, not mine. On hey, look, we're buying Matthew Shane. We think Matthew Shane's gonna put us over the top. Doesn't get and better than this, of, right? Yeah, it doesn't get better than this. We went out and got Matthew Shane. We just we were East of Conference finalists. We think this is an upgrade of the team, regardless of about the Kyle Turris situation. You know, put that aside. I, I get why they that, that was part of the trade, I at least from their perspective, I understand. But they made the move, and they said, we are better today because of it. Then they go on a losing stretch, and within within 20 to 25 days, the, the rumor mill was just chock full of, yeah, we think we're going to start selling players. I mean, it, it's like there's no, you know, one day they're, they're a buyer, one day they're moving in for the title, the next day they're a buyer in a big trade, and then, you know, a few weeks down the road, it's like, oh, actually, completely going to flip the switch, we're going to gut this team. And and by the way, the gutting of the team might not just start with Mike Hoffman. I mean, the the, the biggest package that no one wants to touch is Eric Carlson's future. And I, and I get that Ottawa fans have buried their hands heads in the sand. Some of them, anyway, because they don't want to believe it. They think Carlson's going to stay forever. Uh, he should. First off, in any other market, he would stay forever. He is a superstar of the highest order. But the reality is, right now... I don't know that the team and the player are on a have a great relationship. I mean, Sportsnet's Elliot Freeman reported a few weeks ago that there was a tumultuous meeting between the sides, and and they tried to kind of patchwork, piecemeal it together. I, I don't know if that relationship's ever been repaired. I think the Daniel Alfredson stuff has really clouded Carlson's vision of the team, regardless of whether he says it or not publicly. I, and you look and you say, okay, we lose Mike Hoffman and we get. I don't know, a great pick or a quality prospect for him. Good. Well, now we got money to sign Carlson. What if Carlson doesn't want to sign? What's the game plan? Because Carlson is hunting for a max contract. That is a fact. He is not taking a hometown discount. He is probably the most pro-union player in the league, pro-player player player in the league. He has been adamant about taking a max. You think Ottawa is going to just fork over a max contract? No. They expect every single player to take a hometown discount because – they they historically have been good at building relationships with the player, but um, the last few years aside, they're they're usually a quality team, usually more often than not in the playoffs, and they try and use that to get players to come down on their demands. I don't think that's going to happen with Eric Carlson, and to that end, I don't. There is a non-zero chance he is he is going to leave Ottawa, and that that's crazy because when I when you talk about another player, you talk about a Connor McDavid or a you know a Carey Price or a similar superstar it's a 0% chance that player leaves, right? This this is a very real discussion. And while I don't see Ottawa doing anything at the trade deadline, from this summer and beyond, or the upcoming summer and beyond, this is going to be the biggest topic in hockey. It, it, it just is. Yep. Because I, I, I think a lot of people around the league, I know a lot of people around the league, think that that situation, that, that relationship is in need of repair. And, and that's not to say that it couldn't be repaired. Hey, anyway, a story came out today. The Spurs and Kawhi Leonard have a don't see eye to eye. I'm sure they will repair that relationship. <laughs> uh, could Ottawa and Carlson repair that relationship? Absolutely. Like, I, I think Carlson loves Ottawa. I think he wants to stay there. I think it makes all the sense in the world for him to stay there. But I, I just don't think it's an, a grade A relationship right now. That's a fact.
1: You know what, Travis? That is an amazing, seg- uh, amazing segue. I was just going to get into Carlson um, <clears throat> after we had talk- talked about Melnick. And – you make a lot of interesting points um, regarding him. And I think, would, would things be different if Melnick actually did sell the team in a few months? Do you think Carlson would get, or hell, even, you know, what if they get a, a clean sweep? They get they get rid of Borean. Uh, Dorian and Boucher, as well as Melnick. They get rid of everyone. Do you think that would have any effect? Um, because, I don't, I don't know, I feel like the team is kind of quitting on Boucher here. And, I don't know, I mean, he's already gone through a million coaches in his career, but... Do you think some sort of change in this organization would make a difference at all?
0: Uh, so a couple things here. One, I have no—just just to clear this up before we even get into it. I have no know nothing about if Eric Carlson and Guy Boucher have a, a good-bad-otherwise right. relationship. Same thing with Pierre Dorian. I, I just don't know. Um, to your question, there there are two things, three things, that Eric Carlson's going to want. He's going to want a max. Mm-hmm. He is going to want a vision to get his team to a title, and he is going to want security. Uh, and you can call that the max contract. But it, security, I would say, is more so about like comfort, familiarity. I think Carlson is the type of player, of, like most players. Like you grow up in a city, you live there for a while, you start to endear yourself to it. Like in a in a vacuum, I guarantee Eric Carlson would rather play in Ottawa tomorrow than anywhere else. Here, here is the issue if the ownership situation changes that might take care of hey by the way now we have the money to offer you a max right but maybe the new situation is less tenable maybe that ownership front office group wants to gut the thing and rebuild does that break the i mean let's face it our carlson's gonna make a ton of money but i'm sure his, his he says it every week he wants to win a title and right now they're six points out from uh the the top spot in the draft lottery. So th- th- those are in huge conflict. So yeah, that might take care of the financial piece, but there are other things that need to be built or brokered here in order to get him to stay back. And again, Ottawa of any team in the league, Ottawa is at the biggest advantage of retaining him for two reasons. They can give him the eight year deal. They can give him this basically quote unquote, the supermax for the NHL anyway. And he, they have already built a relationship. He has already laid his foundations and roots in the city of Ottawa there is, it's just very hard for me to believe that a guy would, you know, in a vacuum would say, yeah, I'd rather play in, I don't know, Minnesota than Ottawa. I I just don't see that happening. Usually there when a player leaves after a long-term spend in one market to go to another, it's, I think I can win a title in the other area. And I don't think I can win it here. Or I think I'm being, I don't think I'm getting the appropriate valuation in my contract offering. And the problem in Ottawa is both of those today are at risk, both of them. I mean, they they could not have asked for a more doomsday setup scenario for this Carlson contract. I mean, the team is horrible. There there's not exactly a glut of prospects coming through. I mean, it's not like it's bare bones, but they, it's not like they have this guy that's coming through that's the next superstar, and they don't have a ton of tradable assets. They either have really really valuable players that you would not trade, or they just have your below replacement level players that. You couldn't trade if you begged someone. I, I don't. I don't know how they just repair this quickly. And and again, like I think they could sell him on. Give us two years. We're gonna give you the. We're gonna give you the max. And give us two years, and we'll have this ship righted. And I think I think he would snap at that. But again, that comes back to can they give him the max? And I, like I I did I did an analysis last month, kind of looking at how, you know, top two, top three, top four defenders in the league have historically been paid as a percentage of the cap. Um, over the last like I don't know 10, 15 years, and based on the projections, I mean it, it's it's reasonable to assume that Eric Carlson going to come in around 11 million a year, plus or minus whatever margin you want to include on there. Can Ottawa really stomach 11 million dollars a year on an eight-year deal? Even even if we say it's 10, three, 10, five, can Ottawa do it? I, I I am skeptical. But you know I, if if they can maybe knock him down to a nine, five, ten. Maybe that makes sense, but again, that comes back to the other question, other issue of, is Eric Carlson going to step down? And I don't think he is.
1: Right, and I, I think the interesting thing is it takes two to tango, right? I mean, Carlson could want to stay, and you know, if he has that number set at ten and a half or eleven, if Melnick doesn't want to pay that, you know, he isn't going to get that. So that's the thing that worries me. Um, <clears throat> and do you think that, you know, there's sort of I don't, I don't think it would be exactly like a hard hard date or anything, but do you think there's a time period where, you know, if Carlson isn't signed by, say, mid-July or something, or, um, I don't know, by the end of the summer, do you think they're going to trade him at that point? Because I don't think they'll want to, sort of like with Jason Spezza, I don't think they'll want to, you know, wait till next deadline if they know they can't re-sign him and they're just trading Carlson for, you know, a, a couple months or something. So do you think they're kind of going to see if they can even have any chance signing him and then just trade him right away if they know they can't? Uh,
0: this is me guessing, um, just a mere guess, but I don't know that Ottawa can go through the season they're going to have, which is a disaster of the highest order, and then two months later trade Eric Carlson. I, I just I don't see how you can sell that to a fan base. Whether right. that's the right decision or not, I just don't know how they're going to be able to stomach that. And if we know one thing, they are very touchy about these sorts of things. And I think they would prefer, again, we talk about long term plan and the short sightedness that has historically plagued the organization. I think they would feel much better punting and saying, yeah, we'll make our decision at next year's trade deadline when he's a pure rental. Ugh. And again, they could get a fortune from him. And yeah, they could get a fortune from him still as a pure rental, but you know, less than on a full year deal. And, and you're, you're going to have a lot more teams, a lot less teams in the market just because of how the cap is going to shake out. I, I, Again, I, I if Ottawa trades Carlson, I think you optimally do it in the summer, not at the trade deadline. I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll do the reverse because of the foundation or, that they've laid this year and how bad it's been. Uh, but one one thing I, I just want to circle back to that I really glossed over uh, a lot. Again, we've, we've a lot of uh, the, the ownership discussion, the front office discussion, the player relationship discussion. Some of it is speculation and some of it is fact, right? And what we know has been reported either TSN Sportsnet or locally versus what's kind of popping up on Twitter. I think it's important to differentiate between the two. There is one story, though. Do not, do not discount Daniel Alfredson's departures. Right. Plural, the first one, especially, and the second one, probably just as equally, yeah. from the organization in terms of how that has impacted Eric Carlson's view of the organization in general. Because again, let me be clear, I think Eric Carlson loves the city of Ottawa, and I think he would, if he could, again, in a vacuum, he would choose to play for Ottawa for another decade. But I think, I think there is some cynicism, or at least a jaded mentality, because he has seen what is ultimately one of his best friends, for sure has been, I gotta be careful about what word I use, um... I I can't put my tongue on the right word, but I I would say Alfredson's first exit was not really by Alfredson's choice. Um, He may have signed the paperwork with Detroit, but obviously there was an understanding, and Ottawa, he alleges, did not live up to that understanding. And I don't think there's been curiously extremely little officially uh, publicized about Alfredson's second departure from the organization but for myriad reasons, I think that was a curious departure as well. And whether it's one or both, I think it's had a, a detrimental impact on Carlson and how he views the organization. And again, I, I don't think it's a, a completely burnt bridge. Like I, I think this is something that just needs to be repaired. But I, I think there is an elephant or gorilla in the room that is still in the room, and that do not do not discount the impact that that has had on uh, Carlson's view here.
1: I think there's just two incredibly depressing things about this whole Carlson situation one the fact that we're even considering this I mean would anybody have even thought that trading Carlson um was a possibility of, say in like August or September I don't I don't really think so or and the second thing is you know if they do actually trade him this summer it's not even like they can tank next year because there's you know 95 percent chance they're gonna to have to give that pick up to Colorado next year, unless uh, you know, unless they fall out of the top ten somehow for this season. Right, so, and they're and, eh. and
0: to your point, they're in an even tougher situation because they can't possibly give up this year's pick. I mean, yeah, this exactly. Pick is, yeah, this year's pick is gonna be a fantastic one. They're gonna get an impact player from it. Yeah. So, and of course, Ottawa will always choose to punt when faced with a decision. So <laughs> they're gonna be in a boat where, yeah, they're gonna. Again, I I just I struggle with. I don't think they'll trade Eric Carlson in the summer. I really don't. And I surely do not think they'll trade him at this year's trade deadline. I'm hundred percent confident 99.9% confident of that. I, I just, this trade deadline seems too premature. If I was the front office, I would work to repair that relationship, try and get on the same page. And I think that's more than doable. Uh, the, the summer, I, I just think that's an impossible sell. You go from, uh, a darling team to just dreadful, just dreadful this year. You would lose a lot of fans. One. Yeah. You you sell one of your two or three impact players on your entire roster. Uh, and, and let's be honest here. There are a lot of teams. First off, every team in the league would be in the market for Eric Carlson, but a lot of the teams higher up the list who have the assets to get him and the cap space to retain him. Are not teams that Ottawa fans would be very friendly to in terms of a potential trade.
1: Uh, don't I, don't I mean, bring let, it up. Let's just
0: be let's just be perfectly honest here. This would never happen. But
1: Toronto Ugh. is one of the teams best suited to acquire him. That that's that's reality. Did you I see? Mean, uh, I have, don't. Have you seen ahead. some of the rumors on Twitter though, or like rumors quote quotation? I think it was like Marner, Kapanen, and a first or something stupid. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Yeah. You see, the, the Leafs-Ottawa trade never happens, nor would a Montreal no. trade for that. I of course, it, neither of those markets would happen, but you go down the list. Let's say let's say Ottawa says we're not trading in Toronto Montreal. That's a fact. Okay, we'll now start going down the rest of the teams. Like, there there are plenty of Eastern Conference teams that will look at Eric Carls and say, yeah, we can fit him in. We can absolutely fit him in. Look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay can clear up some cap space and bring in Eric Carls. <laughs> It, it's a fact Vegas, the, the biggest story in the NHL could reasonably acquire Eric Carlson. And maybe that maybe they're one of the more comfortable landing spots because you know, Western conference team, not a rival Ottawa season twice a year. We don't care, but uh, you, you, go, you keep going down. Okay. Edmonton makes a ton of sense. Would would, would Canadian fans be happy with, you know, a guy staying, although in a different conference, he's playing for another Canadian team. That's getting all of the fanfare and attention now because they have two of the four or five best players in the league. I don't think that ends well. I like there, there are a lot of scenarios where you can just see, even if the the return was pretty valuable, where the fans would just be jaded about it forever because of where he landed. And and that's why I think it's going to be a very, a very tough navigation affair. And again, I I, I just want to reiterate, I don't think, I think it's more likely than not that Ottawa repairs that relationship. But what I am saying is the people that think that there's no chance of Carlson leaving they're just flat out wrong. And I don't know how many of these people are left, but the, the fact that there is a financial concern and the relationship is strained are two major factors working against a continued unification. And that and that's a problem.
1: I guess, yeah. If you could just sum it up in one word, just it's concerning, you know? Um, and in terms of what, what the team's going to do uh, moving forward in the next six months or so, just, to, just, just quickly to finish off the show, what do you think... What do you think uh, do you think they'll ultimately end up sign, re signing Carlson? And, you know, are Guy Boucher and Pierre Dorian safe and what are they gonna do with uh, you know, in order to shed salary and um deal with the rest of the, the depth on, on their roster? So
0: I get a few questions there. Um again, I think it's more likely than not that Carlson stays, but if I had to put the odds again, this is just one this is one man's opinion. It, People's opinions are skewed on this. I would say 70-30 Carlson stays in Ottawa, which, again, one, it's a good story, but in the same breath, it's like, well, how did we even get to a point where one of the five best players in the league is at a 70-30 right. of staying with a team? Um, so that's that question. The the the, the other question you raise, which I think is super important to discuss, Guy Boucher, however you rate him, great coach, average coach, bad coach, There is one point that cannot be in dispute. He has not been given a lot of weapons or a lot of help from his general manager. The the players that have helped Guy Boucher, at least in the year prior, were pretty much all assembled uh, already, whether they were brought in on day one or they were brought in previously. And I'm pretty sure the vast majority, if not all of them, were not Pierre Dorian decisions. Pretty much everything Dorian has done has been a negative. That And that is why I, I I struggle with criticizing Boucher here because, you know, we can nitpick about should he play this AHL call up over this guy? And why does he play Cody CC too much and blah, blah, blah. Look, those are all fair, fair criticisms. But the reality is he has one defenseman. He has call it four or five impact forwards and no goaltending. I just don't know what he is reasonably expected to do. His goaltenders can't make a save. His bottom six forward group is rancid and his second pairing is a joke. So I, I just, I, what, what coach is going to come in here and, and make a miracle out of this? And you say, well, they did it last year. And I would say, yeah. And Guy Boucher did it. That's (laughs) kind of why I'm
1: giving him the benefit of the doubt. But the thing with that though, I, I will say to that though, there are a few players on this team that he specifically wanted, you know, um, Tom Pyatt, he really wanted. Gabriel Dumont, um, I don't know, I'm assuming he likes guys like Burroughs and Thompson. I, I can't actually know that. So I, I think there's some of that boucher influence oh, hold on. Though. This,
0: Trevor this is Trevor, this is
1: where I'm gonna interject because I am All a right.
0: purist in the, this is where I this is where I disagree. I am a purist in this sense. when a coach is given general matter manager or general manager by proxy duties, it, you you land yourself in dangerous situations Oh, totally. And how many how many times have we seen? I mean, the best story, one of the best stories in the NBA right now are the the gutted clippers gritting and grinding their way to five hundred in decency. That's interesting because in the years prior, the Clippers, all they did, despite unbelievable star power in the lineup that got them to the playoffs, all they did time and time again was add bad contracts and lose trades horribly because their coach, who was a great basketball coach, Doc Rivers, is a t- was a terrible general manager. And he's become much more hands-off. And I think generally, when you have a clear delineation of responsibilities, I'm the coach, I'm the GM, I choose who plays, and you tell me what players I get. I'm, again, I'm not saying this is just a one-way street each way. There's going to be dialogue. But at some point, if you're if you a Boucher and you say, hey, Pierre, I got a thought. Let's go get Nate Thompson. It's Pierre and his analytics. Nope, sorry. Just <laughs> Pierre and his scout. Yeah, nope. Just Pierre has to intervene and say, you know what? I don't think Nate Thompson's an impact player, so we're not going to get him. What other ideas do you have in mind? That That is the a critical role of the general manager is to have a long-term vision totally. and to let the coach manage in the short term. And if you hold that over Guy Boucher, you equally have to hold that over Pierre Dorian, which is why I continue to say, I continue to give more wiggle room or more benefit of the doubt to Boucher and the the situation he's been put into.
1: Yeah, I'd say it's definitely both their faults and, um, I just really haven't liked the job that Boucher has done this year. So in a perfect world, I'd like to see them both gone. Um, like you said, I, I can't think of a single deal that has really been amazing for Doran. I guess maybe the Condon one where he gave up a fifth, but you know, even that one isn't that great if he's not going to be a, a solid backup moving forward. So, But do, do you think they're going to be on, um, on the Senators next year, though, as GM and coach? Uh, the coach is an interesting question,
0: um, and the reason why I say that is that the key role of the Ottawa GM over the last 10 years is to be a yes man. And yeah. if you're a yes man in that role, you're going to stay. That, that's the reality of it. Uh, Boucher is interesting. Um, Ottawa clearly has, when, when they like to make organizational decisions, usually the coach is the first to go. I don't think Boucher's done a great job. Uh, that's my own uh, opinion. I, I think he is he should definitely be on the hot seat., uh, but for the reasons I stated and as an independent party and like most of us are in this case, I, I think you can reason with hey, uh, Boucher, we're gonna give you one more year um to turn it around. I, I do think if there's a change, it will be at the head coach position and, and maybe it works out better. I mean, like you know we you look at the coaching trees, it and a lot of it is about timing. And and I and I bring this up because if you remember back in the Paul McClain era and how they've transitioned over time, if they just waited a wait would have waited a little longer or made that move a little sooner, they could have ended up with the Bruce Boudreau. I mean that's a fact. Bruce Boudreau yep. was was shaken loose by Anaheim for reasons that are tremendously unclear to me. The team's only the the team's only. Um, circled around him within one hour. I mean, I think Boudreau had an offer from the wild within a day. Uh, it, it's that sort of stuff. The timing is key. That's an obvious point, but you know, sometimes you you can have a coach shake free. And it's like, we didn't even think he was going to be available. Of course he's a better, even, even if we rated Guy Boucher highly, this coach is better and we want him. Uh, so I, I, I just think that you, you're going to see more, a much stronger likelihood of a coaching change than a GM change. And, uh, and for the, for the, considering the history and the reasons stated, I, I I would have a hard time listening to a counter argument that people believe that the GM, not the coach is on the hot seat because historically it's never played out that way in Ottawa.
1: Yeah. I honestly can't see Doran being done after just two seasons, considering how long he's been in the organization. Um, but I, I don't know. I definitely could see Boucher being gone, but both of them kind of a pipe dream, I think. A lot of us, um, at least people I have been interacting with, seem um, seem like they want both of them gone and Melnick as well. So um, I don't know. I definitely depressing times right now to uh, to be a sense fan.
0: So here, here's let's end on a positive note because I think there's right. it's, it's, there's a lot of negativity in Ottawa right now. I understand yeah. it, but let's let's face the facts here. They have when they have their best five man unit on the ice they're as good they're better than the majority teams in the league. They they have the upper echelon talent a team needs definitely in order to win. That is that is critical. The second piece is that the single biggest thing that has sank the team this year has been goaltending. And while I don't think goaltending is just some easy, you know, do-it-up recipe that's something you can fix overnight, they can easily head into the trade deadline or the off-season and grab a goaltender as as a eventual or ne- inevitable Craig Anderson replacement and repair that almost instantaneously. Again, I don't think it's going to happen this season, but maybe in the summer uh, they, they go out and get a guy in their goaltending room. Aaron back to Historical norms. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and that, the goal, the ugly goals against differentials, you start to whittle away at them. So those are two huge positives. The third one is they are still in the driver's seat to re-sign Eric Carlson. And for all of the reasons why I think it's 70-30, I underline, I italicize, and bold the 70 because I still think Ottawa is in a much better situation than not of of being able to extend them. But the 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 negatives, I again, I, we we we've went through them. There's not a lot of depth talent at all on this roster. They pretty, I would argue, they have one of the three or four worst depth groups in the entire league. Uh, and there's skepticism around the quality of the coaching for MGM. I'll let each person conclude on, on their own merits about that. And yeah, your superstar may not love where your organization is at right now. And and, I, and you know what, I think that is I think that is a more than fair statement of, of wrapping up or concluding that piece. And that that's the part that they've got to work at. If they can get Carlson back and let's see, even if they trade Mike Hoffman and they get a pick and a prospect and get an impact player a year from now, and they are able to extend stone and Duchesne sticks around, like they still have a really good core and they can still win. But it is critical that they clean up some of the just Awful depth talent talent quotation marks on the roster, and they they have let's be honest they they have to find a way to get more money in their pockets to spend yeah. on players. I mean that's that's the 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 cat the cost control in the beginning of seasons is hurting them at the end of seasons. So,
1: right, I I definitely agreed with you on uh, on everything there. They they have that talent, and it's doable to make um. A good team you know you just have to get rid of that excess fat in the bottom of the roster and you know actually get some quality depth players surrounding the top talent and it's 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 not impossible so oh, it's not impossible yeah. it's a probability if you have the right minds on it i mean i exactly. just watched an expansion
0: team gifted one of the best lines in hockey <laughs> yeah. because Columbus didn't want to give up Jack Johnson and Florida thought Riley Smith was a million dollars too much. Yeah. And they ended up getting probably the third best line in all of hockey today. <laughs> you, 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 if you say it's not doable, you're lying through your teeth, right? Oh, like yeah. the, the, people, people are delusional about that piece. If if they think there isn't talent floating around, that's just not, not being properly identified around the league. They're wrong. I mean, I, I could have, th- that line is the best example. I could have never picked William Carson out as an impact player. For, for Vegas, I, no. his, his numbers across counting numbers, box score numbers, underlying numbers, nothing suggested he would have been that player. Good scout might have found him. I wouldn't have. But I definitely would have pointed you in the direction of Jonathan March and Riley Smith. And that's that's the perfect example is you can have scouts, video guys, data analysts, and they all can come together and work on a game plan. And Ottawa has none of those guys.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it was getting positive until that very end there, just that that last point. But <laughs> they can that, get them, though. If they're dirt cheap. Oh, they're much so cheap. The, they're just hire, hire Micah Blake McCurry, Johnny please. I yeah. <laughs> Just honestly, there, there's so many people on Twitter that are, are smart and, you know, are tracking games and stuff that could easily fit in the Senators' front office. Um, but you know what? Let, let's end off with, with a positive. If we've learned anything from the past year is that things can change so quickly in 12 months so you know maybe uh if i have you on in a year maybe you know they'll have re-signed carlson stone will be on a long-term contract you know melmick has gone you know and everything's all hunky-dory
0: like i said i'm more optimistic than pessimistic about ottawa i think i think some of the things working against ottawa right now are controllable I, i think the one thing that they absolutely have to put all their eggs in that basket is we have got to repair this relationship with our with our star player and find a way to extend them. If they do that, the rest of the stuff, the chips will fall as needed.
1: Right. Um, all right, I think we can uh, finish it off there. Travis, is there uh, anything you want to plug or finish off with here? Um, no, I actually, uh, you know, twice a week,
0: tsn.ca, um, and then I once, uh, once every eight months, evidently I do your podcast. So if you don't <laughs> want to read any of my work, which is more than understandable, you can always listen to me here once a year.
1: All right, great. Well, thanks for coming on.
0: Yeah, take care, Trevor.
1: As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost Per Pointcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and you can rate and review in those places as well. You can follow me on Twitter at ShackTS and read my articles at silver 7 Cents, which will be a really good place for some analysis heading into the trade deadline. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, let me know. That's all for me. Adios.